Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. And welcome back to Soul to Soul. I am Rabbi Ari Kivman, and it's great to be with you here, here this afternoon. And today I want to introduce you to a very exciting new course we're going to be offering in honor of Rosh Hashanah that's coming up. A lot of people go to shul, they want to daven, but they're all types of distractions and thoughts and challenges, and they don't feel like they're up to it. So here we are offering a new JLI course, that's a course from the Roar Jewish Learning Institute, which is proudly brought to South Africa by Chabad House. And so we're going to share with you this exciting course. We're going to definitely do certain elements of it here on Chai FM. But starting Wednesday, the 28th of August, we are going to be launching this course. And you could join us for the launch and see if you want to join each week. You could pick the weeks that suit you and learn about the Jewish art of prayer. And I'd like to take you today through some of the elements, some of the aspects and ideas that we plan to discuss in this course so you could get a good understanding and see what lessons are relevant, are pertinent to you that you might want to join us with. So let me first share with you the idea of, in general, what the objective, what the, what we intend to achieve with this course. And firstly, a lot of people feel a prayer is distant, not relatable to them, and we're going to demonstrate how prayer is in fact sensible, it's relatable, and in fact could be very, very meaningful. Of course, if you don't feel that way, then join us to find out how. Many people tend to think of tefillah, of prayer, as dry, distant, ceremonial, inaccessible, and so there's lots of questions that people have about how it works and what the point of it all is. And what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is tap into the seemingly unreachable world of prayer and to feel empowered to utilize it in our own personal lives. That when you go to shul in the morning, it's not just going to be a lip service. You're not just reading words. It's not a marathon. But rather, you'll see the depth, the meaning, the purpose to it. And hopefully we can become a little bit more comfortable in shul and more appreciative of the sitter, the layout of it, and the meaningful messages within it. Why we even use a sitter. You know, for many people, shul is something that perhaps they go because they feel that's what you got to do as a Jew. But I hope to take you through this course so that you could appreciate the sitter. And why we daven with a minion? Many people feel that perhaps it's better off to daven at home alone. They can focus, they can concentrate, they can think more deeply about the prayer in their own minds. And certainly, I think that when one is able to actually tap into the meaning of prayer in that sense, you'll get a much deeper appreciation of what prayer means for all of us. And in fact, without digressing too far, when I think about the portion that we're reading this week, I find that the portion of Va'eschanan, which, in which we pray, we pray for Mashiach, we pray for so many personal things, we see here how Moshe Rabbeinu prays. And I think this is, again, a very important message for us because the portion begins with a fervent, Moshe's fervent dialogue for prayer. And many people oftentimes have the question, why is it you go to the Kotel, you write a note, you, so there's also prayers that are said in our heart, and there are prayers that we verbalize. So the truth is there's three levels within prayer. There's Machshava Dibramasa, which means thought, 
you know, when one is in a mikvah, in a ritual bath, they are not going to verbalize their prayers for multiple reasons. So instead, it is a prayer in one's thought, a prayer in one's mind. Whereas we verbalize our prayers, but still some certain prayers, for example, the Amida, we say quietly, and maybe confessional prayers. We don't want others to hear what type of transgressions we may have committed. So we say those prayers quietly to ourselves, only audible to our own ears. And then, of course, there's even prayers that are written down. But not every prayer necessarily gets answered. If you take, for example, Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, Hashem, I beseech God. And he goes on, Lamar saying, which that word saying tells us that it has to be said. It's not something that can remain in your heart. And we see that Moshe, our commentators tell us that there's something really strange. Because if you look at the portion, let me just open my chumash here. And you'll see, he says, Hashem, you've begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For who is like Hashem in heaven or on earth who can do as your deeds and as your might? Let me cross over the sea. He's asking Hashem to allow him to cross into the Jordan River. And let me get to Hashem's answer as soon as we're back and see the relevance of that prayer and his multiple requests. We'll talk about that just now. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. And ladies and gentlemen, we were talking before about Moshe Rabbeinu Moses' prayer to God, begging, beseeching Hashem to allow him to enter the land of Israel. Now, if you open your chumash, you will see God's response. As Moshe says, Hashem was upset with me, Lamanchem, because of you. And Hashem did not listen to me. Hashem said to me, "It is enough for you." Speak to me no more regarding this matter. Shem basically tells him, Schweig, it's enough. Now just think about this. Hashem instructs Moshe not to talk of him more about this issue any longer. But that seems to be missing the point. I would expect God to say, no matter how many times you talk to me about this, I'm not going to change my mind. You're not entering the promised land. It's decisions made already. But God focuses on demanding of Moshe, don't talk with me about this anymore, as if it's a key issue. Why didn't God want him to pray any longer about going to Israel? And this is a question that is asked, and the issue becomes even more troubling because there's a medrash that tells us what's the numerical value of the word va'eschanan, the word that I beseeched. Well, it's 515, which the Medrash tells us. That means Moshe prayed 515 times, begging, beseeching, pleading with God to be able to enter the land of Israel. And there are multiple explanations. The one I want to share with you today that I found fascinating was an insight from Rabbi Chaim Alazar Shapiro, known as the Minchas Alazar. He was the Munkach Rebbe. And in his commentary, Chaim Vashalom, on this week's Parsha, he explains that there's a certain potency to prayer. And the reason I mention this and I find it most appropriate to discuss today is because I'm introducing you and exciting you about our new prayer course that I think you would stand much to gain from. And I feel this commentary is one that fits straight into it. He says every single prayer is effective. There's never a prayer that goes to waste. If Moshe would have prayed even one more time, the Munkacha says, God would have led him into Israel. God would, so to speak, have no choice but to allow him into the land because this prayer 
would have nullified whatever decree it was that he couldn't enter the land for striking the rock. And so God needed to instruct Moshe. God says, stop it. Enough. Because with one more prayer, I would have had to change my mind. I would have had to let you into Israel. There's many many stories about prayers that were effective. And Moshe Rabbeinu's prayers were so powerful that if he would have prayed even once more, 516 prayers, then God would have had to let him into the land. And so God tells him, no, stop it. The Medrash Yalkut Shamoni puts it this way. When Moshe saw that the decree had been sealed against him, he went and drew a circle. He sat inside it and said, I'm not moving from here until God nullifies this decree. So what God did was, God announced that every gate of every heaven, every gate of every court, that Moshe Rabbeinu's prayers should not be admitted. Because for Moshe's voice was like a sword that slices and rips. Nothing could stop it. God had to, so to say, put up all the security barriers to prevent Moshe's voice from penetrating the heavens to allow him to enter the land of Israel. And so the... 515 prayers, says the monk catcher, were very effective. By Moshe praying so intensely, so deeply to enter the promised land, he imbued all of us for all eternity, we, Am Yisrael, the descendants of that generation, with that passionate desire to be connected to the land. And although Moshe himself was unfortunately, or probably not the appropriate term to use it, unfortunate because it was part of the divine plan. But although he personally didn't enter the land, but he bequeathed to all of us that no matter how distant and far we are, we always have that burning desire within us to always remain connected. Even in hundreds, nearly two millennia, hundreds of years of exile, despite being diaspora, and for oftentimes long periods that Jews weren't allowed in Israel, we always had that passion, that desire, that connection. And no doubt that history has in fact tested that faith. But nothing has prevented us. Nothing has ever extinguished our burning desire to return to Eretz Israel, which indeed in our lifetime, that's transpired. All of us today who easily could get onto a flight and get to Israel in no time. Elal's got these incredible specials. If you're willing to travel light, for nothing you could get to Israel. It's so easy today. That, says the Munkacher, is all due to the potency of Moshe Rabbeinu's prayer. It was so tremendous that his 515 pleas were in no way were they lost or in vain. Every prayer has an impact. And so one way or another, in this world or another, the prayer is always impactful. And the only question is how, where, and when. Well, prayer always has an impact. And so the Munkacha says, never feel that just because you didn't see an answer to your prayer, that it was wasted in any way. It's such a powerful force. Sometimes we underestimate it. But prayer can move mountains if we would only let it. If only we would realize, indeed, how powerful prayer could be, then we would never feel hopeless. Prayer is our direct communication with God. And nothing is too trivial. Nothing's too big to pray for either. Sometimes we get overwhelmed by a situation. We feel we could do nothing to help. We can. When there's nothing you can do practically, pray. 
Because prayer, in fact, is practical. It's beseeching, begging God for God's assistance. And that's what we ought to do. We have to do whatever we can to pray and beg God. We Jews for thousands of years always knew the power and the meaning, the relevance of prayer. Any Yoshu in life, whatever it may have been, big or small, you had a toothache, an existential crisis, a dilemma, a struggle, whatever it might be. Guess what? We pray to God. You open your heart, you talk to Hashem. Do it, your fr- do it, you know, just like you would talk to a friend. God is your most trusted friend. We always have to find that way inside of us. We have to find, and that was what the Munkacho was explaining to us about prayer. That sometimes we get tired of praying. Sometimes we get tired of praying for Mashiach, redemption. People think we've been praying for so many years. Well, where did it bring us? What's the point of another prayer? But the Munkacha says, Moshe prayed 515 times for the same thing. Had he prayed one more time, God would have had to let him in. So the power and potency of prayer is so powerful. We can never know when and how prayer will actually be effective. But the message is that it is effective. And so perhaps your genuine prayer to the Almighty will bring the redemption, will bring Mashiach, whatever personal thing you're requesting for. A lot of people wonder, they say, well, what prayer do I say? You probably saw our ads going up all over town. There's a psalm for that. Yes, indeed, there is a psalm. There are prayers. And we indeed have to tap into those prayers because, in fact, Tehillim has been said by Jewish people for millennia. We've been saying Tehillim. And Tehillim is, you're wondering what prayer to say? You're going through whatever crisis, trouble, difficulty? Say Tehillim. Reciting Tehillim is actually a really great opportunity because you don't need to open... The the Tehillim is so accessible. It's not like the Shachwar Smilchamar of a specific time. You tap in Tehillim anytime. So when we're back, I'm going to just share with you a few insights about Tehillim that I think are very important and powerful that you can apply in your lives. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. So when you open your sitter, where are most of the passages coming from? In fact, as we were talking about a psalm for that, our campaign for Tehillim, that everyone could get involved in reading and reciting and participating and dedicating Tehillim. Now, if you look in your Siddur Amachsar, most of those prayers, although the Siddur Amachsar itself was formulated by the Anshik Nesat Agdala, the men of the Great Assembly, but the Jewish custom to pray three times a day is something that is ancient. In fact, our patriarchs and matriarchs prayed as well as we see from the Torah. So what did they pray before the Anshik Nesat actually composed the Siddur? Now imagine Yom Kippur without a machzor. Imagine those Jews who couldn't travel to Jerusalem for the high holidays and couldn't spend the time watching the Kohen Gadol, the priestly service that was performed in the temple. What did they all do? So, of course, they said Tehillim. And you look at Tehillim, you notice that Tehillim is the original Jewish book of prayer. It includes prayers for every occasion, and that's why we've been saying there's a psalm for that. And any issue you find, you'll see how there's a prayer for it. So imagine that we're trying to find the proper prayer for different times of the day. Well, there's psalms that talk about the evening offering. There's psalms that talk about about sleep. There's psalms that talk about the morning when we rise. Each of those, of course, are relevant and pertinent to those particular times of the day. There are psalms that talk about 
our exodus from Egypt. Talk about the ten plagues. Well, of course, that would be appropriate for Pesach. And then Psalm 106, as an example, talks about we sinned with our forefathers. We committed iniquities, wickedness, which, of course, would be relevant for Yom Kippur. So each of these chapters of Tehillim, which are compiled by King David, by David HaMelech, these are prayers for the Jewish people that are relevant at all times. And we know that David HaMelech didn't write all the Tehillim, because if you look through the Tehillim, you'll see there that different chapters are written by other people, but he compiled them. So what, some of them are, for example, we're told, the Medrash says at least that when Yaakov Avinu, when Jacob lived with his father and with Lavan, that he would recite these Tehillim. And those are the Shir Hamalot, the Songs of Ascent. So you have the various Tehillims, even Moshe Rabbeinu, for example, we say in Tehillim, Tefillah Moshe, a prayer by Moses. So that would be a prayer from Moses that's included in the book of Tehillim. So what you have here is over a thousand years before the official Siddur was composed, we had the book of Tehillim, which served as our prayer book. And when the Anshik Nasat Tagdolah, the men of the great assembly, took the task of writing a Siddur, it wasn't to replace the Tehillim. The Siddur is meant to be supplemental prayer book. It gives us the various prayers for different occasions to tell us this is for the morning, evening, Rosh Chodesh, etc., What's appropriate for Shabbos? What's relevant for the holidays? What do you say when you're going to sleep? Which ones are for travel? What do you say after a meal? But if you really want to offer that spontaneous prayer, you're lost, you're not sure, you want to entreat God like we were talking about Moses in this week's Parsha, whether it's thanks for a miracle or a a flash of inspiration, well, not everything is always necessarily in the Siddur. And that's why I want to remind you about the Tehillim. You can't start always saying the Amida. It might be too long, tedious. You want to stand. Tehillim, you could say anywhere, anytime. Whenever you feel like praying, Tehillim. Tehillim enables us that we can express to God whatever we're feeling. And there's no limit to how much Tehillim you could say. On the contrary, the more Tehillim we say, the better. The Tzemach Tzedek said, if you knew how impactful Tehillim was, we would be reciting Psalms all day at every few moment that we have. And so it's ready for us whenever we like. The story I recently heard was about an old Jew. He owned a small store. And the store was always full of customers. His business was always flourishing. Unfortunately, the old man died one day and his son took over the business. He renovated, he expanded. He opened this big new huge department store. But for him, the business was just, just wasn't going. Just, just was not as good as it had been for his old father. And he was really dejected, so he decided to go to his rabbi to ask for advice. He says, Rabbi, tell me, what happened? Why am I not as successful as my father? The rabbi asks him, what do you do when you're not helping customers? What do you do between clients? Well, the man said, I read the newspaper. Ay, 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 the man, the rabbi asks him, what did your father do when he wasn't helping customers? Oh, my father, he would read Tehillim. He would recite the Psalms. This, says the rabbi, is the problem. I, your father, you see, he spent his time praying, so the Yetzirah really couldn't tolerate that. So he kept sending customers to distract him, to disturb him from his prayers. But you, on the other hand, you're reading the newspaper. You're reading all the schmutz out there. So the evil inclination has no reason to disturb you. So he's not sending good clients. Of course, whether the story did or didn't happen, the message, of course, is important. How do we integrate the Tehillim into our daily schedules whenever you have that free moment?
There's apps. In fact, if we're putting one together here at Chabad House that you'll be able to use soon on our app where we're going to provide for free. We're recording the entire book of Tehillim and you'll be able to recite Tehillim with me in the car at your leisure, at your speed. You could speed me up. You could slow me down and you could say the Tehillim together with me. Wherever you're going, there's no excuse or reason why you can't. Tehillim are short. You don't have to say the entire Psalm 119 in one shot. Say it at your, at your leisure. But we could always reach out to God in prayer. And so, if I could recommend, actually the Baal Shem Tov instituted a custom that every day we should say the chapter of Tehillim that corresponds with our year of life. So, for example, I'm 18, so I read chapter 19. If you're 30, read chapter 31. If you want to say it on behalf of your newborn child, read chapter 1 of Tehillim every day. And so, through your lifetime, hopefully you get to live 150 years, you'll receive, you'll be able to recite the entire book of Tehillim and otherwise say for each of your children, it's a good way to, to remain connected. It's so to say a, a spiritual kiss that you could give to your kids every day by reciting the chapter of Tehillim corresponding with their age. And I think it's a beautiful custom, especially now that the month of Elul is coming. It's another wonderful custom to recite three chapters of Tehillim each day in the month of Elul. And the previous Rebbe said each day of the month we should recite Tehillim. Whatever Tehillim you're able to say, whether it's one chapter a day, whether it's just that one chapter over the year reciting every day the chapter of your year of life, or whether it is a chapter for your children or the daily Tehillim, whatever Tehillim you could say. That is your way of entreating, beseeching, pleading, begging, and praying to God whenever you can. Of course, you ought to be in shul, and you ought to be praying. And please, God, if you join us for our course on the Jewish art of prayer and spiritual experience, you'll learn many great insights on the prayer book. But for today, if I could recommend you do Tehillim. And to join us for our JLI course, just go online to jli.org.za. And book your space, space is limited, to join us for the Jewish art of prayer. I look forward to share with you some fascinating insights on that over the coming weeks here on Soul to Soul. Until then, wishing you a fabulous Shabbos, meaningful day, and Carpe Diem, seize the moment. Stay tuned for the news coming up right now. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. HiFM has signed a code of conduct that is enforced by the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Under the code, we are committed to giving news that is accurate, comment that is fair, and programming that is not harmful to children, does not amount to hate speech or the description of gratuitous violence or explicit sex. If you think we are not living up to that code, then you can inform the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. Direct any complaints in writing to the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa at P.O. Box 412365, Craig Hall, 2024. That's the Broadcasting Complaints Commission of South Africa. P.O. Box 412365, Craig Hall, 2024. Or send an email to bccsa at nabsa.co.za. For more information, please visit www.bccsa.co.za.